Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 98. We're covering the aftermath of England against South Africa at Twickenham, and in particular, that Farrell tackle. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, huge, huge game coming up on Saturday. Huge game just happened. Uh, obviously, Saturday gone. Um, so we wanted to get in there and have a have a bit of a chat. Um, go back over some of the highlights and lowlights from the game against the Springboks, uh, and obviously look forward to the New Zealand game, which we I think the first time we've played them in four years or something. But um, I'm here to talk about it all with Dan, of course. Hi, mate. Good afternoon. How you doing, buddy? How you feeling? How how's the uh, how's the love for the rose? Mate, the love the love never dies. That's uh, the love. The love never falters. That's that is why we're here. Um, I, I'm good. We're I'm like good. a loyal dog. Exactly. Exactly. You can keep you can keep knocking us down, but we'll keep coming back for more. Um, we certainly will. Mate, I know. I'm, I'm feeling good. Obviously, you know, it's always good to get a win, even in. Uh, even in circumstances like that, but it it just it felt like a uh, maybe a gritty performance from England. You know, they put themselves they put themselves in a very difficult position. Um, it could have been disastrous, uh, and yeah, you know, of course you can say thanks to the South Africans for not being able to finish anything. But you know, that's what winning is about. It's about taking your opportunities, and and you know, it took England too long to. To kind of sort themselves out, but but a hell of a second half performance, and um, you know ultimately they got the W, and you know I think I think it's we we talk a lot about how winning breeds winning, um, and I feel I don't we'll see what happens on Saturday, but I just, I feel like that's just given them something they haven't had for a little while, um, you know if if the last game against South Africa, the previous game against South Africa is, was was a dead rubber as a lot of people seem to describe it, you know this one certainly wasn't, um, and at the end of the day it's two from two for England. Yeah, I, and, and I also, there's, I've heard a lot of chat this week about um, how, you know, South Africa lost to England and win it. I actually disagree with that. Yeah, and everyone's saying, oh, the All Blacks would have scored all those things. England didn't allow South Africa to score. I mean, our last line defence was awesome at times. Yes, the line-out throwing wasn't great by Marks. He could have hit his point, but that doesn't guarantee a try. It it doesn't. He, you're right, but but the way England were being dominated at that point in the game by yeah. the South African forwards, you would you would think that you know South Africa securing that ball like they did pretty much anywhere else on the pitch, you know, five meters out from the line, good. There's a good chance that against a, an inexperienced England pack, they would power over, um, and all they needed to yeah. do was find their man. So I think we have to thank thank you know. Thanks, Africa, for for not managing to deliver. But you know, and it and it it may, maybe it was those missed opportunities by South Africa that just kind of sent that little message to the to the particularly some of the the less experienced England boys to say, look, you know, you've been given a lifeline here. You know, don't mess it up now. Take advantage of it. And that second half, a hundred percent, that's what they did. Um, you know, they yeah, were they were I a different agree. side. I mean, we missed chances as well in the second half. Oh, we, um, we missed a couple. I mean, Johnny May. Can I just say, Johnny May, eighteen months ago, two years ago, we were we were talking about how good he was, but at the same time saying he's a bit, and he still is a bit of a weirdo. Um, <laughs> but you know, he was always really quick, and and but he kind of used to run around a little bit like a, a headless chicken almost, and he's just become 
such a good player for England. You know, I, I, I say it again, I think he walks into any team in the world because he is a guy who will create something from nothing. And every time he gets his hands on the ball, kind of no matter where he is on the pitch, you, you think there's a, there's a, there's a small part of you that thinks something could come from this. Um, I, yeah, I think, some, yeah, sorry, carry on. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's massive missed opportunities from Elliot Daly twice, I think, in that first half, not to get that ball wide and give it to that guy and, you know, give him an opportunity to do what he does. Yeah, I. so the thing I think about Johnny May is he's still got, he's still kept that pace, that, that, that just that ability to pull something out of nothing. But I think he's added a bit of Jack Nowell about him. Like, he'll work hard. He'll take a crash ball. He'll, he's become an absolutely unbelievable player. Yeah. I, I, like, I'm a massive... I massively rave the guy. Like, it's, I, I, I don't know the guy at all as a person, but as a rugby player, the guy's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, he's one of the one of the few players that's probably, you know, inked in no matter what. Well, not no matter what, because if he gets severely injured, he's probably not inked in anymore. But, um, you know, you need him on that pitch. Um, and, you know, a lot of people talking about how Elliot Daly is one of the first names on the team sheet. I would have Johnny May on that team sheet before Elliot Daly, I think. I think there are options I think so. I, don't get me wrong. I think Elliot Daly is, a, you know, an amazing player and, and, and England need him. But I would put May's name on that team sheet before Daly's, personally. I, I, I agree with you. Um, and the other the other performance to me, like obviously Mark Wilson, I, I mean, I know at halftime last time, I was like, yeah, he's all right. Um, he, he, he was he, watching the game back. He was absolutely epic. He had a great performance. Um, and it was what was needed. But the other person to me, Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell is a winner. Um you know, we're gonna we're gonna go on to attack and stuff. But Owen Farrell, like he rips the ball near the line. Owen Farrell, he kicks for penalties under pressure. You need him in the team, and I want him at ten. I just think the guy's absolutely well. We know he's well. I was going to say, that, yeah, it, he he's just proved what what we already knew and what we've known for yeah. a long time. Um, and he probably is the first name on the team sheet. Um, and I think it's just a question. It's a question of where you play him. And I agree with you. I like. I liked him at ten. Um, I, I think it, it it gave England slightly different options. And and I think I think what England England's failure in the first half, dare I say it, it didn't come down to the backs not performing. Um, you know, it came down to the backs not getting the ball to enable them to get going. I mean, that said. I felt like there was a lot of kicking the ball away, and I know that you know it's it's an attacking game. You know, kicking is an attacking game as, as well now. But you know, I didn't feel like England were able to put pressure on the high ball that often, not as often as I would like. You know, if you're going to kick that that regularly, you, you need to be you need to be hitting your mark every time and giving giving the team giving the the, the chasing players the opportunity to attack that. Uh, that kick and that didn't happen it, a lot of the time it was just down their throats and let them have a have a, have a counter-attack um, so that was frustrating I felt um, and we've mentioned already a couple of opportunities that went begging um, perhaps Elliot Daly playing slightly out of position of being at fullback um, you know just he, he cut back inside when he should have been looking wide um, and maybe yeah. that's and maybe that comes down to um, you know playing out wide 
for England on you know more often out on the wing he is the last man so he is the guy that when he gets the ball it's about what can you do with it um but you know he's going to need I think to to just get into the mindset that you know whilst we know what he's capable of doing ball in hand don't don't waste the opportunity to use someone like a Johnny May on your outside because uh, that guy can do special things and as we saw in England started to open up in the second half um you know and they were a different side uh We've got a lot of pace across the back three, and we can open up gaps. I well, our back three is so. This is actually, and, and this is quite a big call. I reckon our back three is better than the All Blacks back three. That's a big shout. I know they've got Ernie, who's a great player, but I think with May, Noel, and Daly, sort of talent for talent, we've got a better back three. Yeah, and then and then Ashton. On the bench, I mean, Ashton looked pretty useful even in the twenty minutes Ashton when he came on. Ashton looked awesome, um, and it's going to be a tough call what happens this weekend because I wouldn't want to get rid of any of the the starting back three from Saturday, but I'd also want Ashton involved. But we've got to remember that Ashton came in because Tuilagi got injured, and Tuilagi's not injured this weekend. So, what do you do? Do you do, but, you, but, t- do, you, do you add in an extra an extra back cover and have both Tuilagi and Ashton? Because you still you still uh, I, need to have. Um, I start to a laggy, uh, and I have Ford. Do you drop Bentio? I think I do. Like Bentio, I don't think he 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 was a bit rusty. I don't think he had a bad game defensively. I thought he was brilliant. At attack, he didn't offer a huge amount. I don't think he had a huge chance. I would probably take. I mean, I I haven't seen to a laggy. They know how to a laggy is providing you know, performing in camp, they know his fitness. I think I would start to Alagi ahead of Tio and then my back subs would be Danny Kerr and George Ford and George Chris Ford and Chris Ashton. I th- yeah. I think so for me. Yeah, I quite like that. Um I mean on to Alagi I was I was um I think I was listening to the to Matt Dawson's podcast and they were saying that um the the, the official word actually that came out of the England camp was that if last weekend had been a World Cup final, Tuilagi would have played. So the injury, okay. the injury really was kind of a, uh, you know, let's not take any chances. Rather than a, he's injured and cannot play. They just decided to, to, you know, err on the side of caution. It was an ouchie rather than a. Yeah, he, he, they wanted to wrap him in cotton wool because I think they clearly want him for New Zealand. So I'll be very interested if he's not involved. Um, given that. Um, I think I think um, Eddie Jones clearly sees Manny Tuolangi as a key part of disrupting New Zealand, but um, time will tell. Um, just before we get on to the 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 big talking point from last Saturday, which of course was that tackle at the end, um, and some other bits that I want to share uh, regarding that, um, we have had uh, another. We haven't had any more reviews, so guys, get onto iTunes, get some reviews over to us. But we have had another email from Joe, a bit of a regular uh, for contacting us. I'm not going to read the whole thing out because it is long. Um, but he's kind of responding, obviously he m- mentions the game, but he's kind of responding to what to what we read out uh, in, a, in two episodes ago, I think it must have been, um, possibly the beginning, the beginning of the last one, about Owen Farrell and um, how he deals with other people's opinions and you know how he's got to got to be the strongest voice in the team and all that kind of stuff and he's kind of saying he thinks that Owen Farrell and I think I agree with him he thinks that Owen Farrell as an individual 
would have absolutely no issue with being challenged in that respect. And if anything, he would like it because it's it's about how how do you get the best out of people? It's to you know kind of almost challenge each other constantly to be better. Um, and so his sort of take on on the whole thing is is very much that you know someone like a Cipriani with with the voice you know with with his own voice, provided he could also take it, would actually he thinks would bring more out of an Owen Farrell. I don't, okay. I don't know if it's relevant because I think if we if we if we're gunning to have Owen Farrell at ten, then then there there probably isn't a spot for Cipriani. But if you're looking at bringing someone on for twenty minutes, uh, I don't know. I, I'm torn now because obviously we we previously before uh, last weekend we were saying that we didn't think George Ford was a finisher. Um, you know, Danny Cipriani's more of a finisher in that respect. But I thought George Ford did pretty well when he came on, and it, and it gave England a slightly different dynamic and gave them an opportunity to switch things up a little bit. And maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that works. You know, it's not so much about George Ford making the difference; it's about George Ford slotting in at a time that enables other players who are moving position, like Farrell moving to twelve, to create that that difference. I I, I think you could do that with like I, I'm a big George Ford fan because. We keep talking about Danny Cipriani. It almost sounds like we're mugging off George Ford. Not at all. I think as a player, George Ford is a brilliant player. I still would have Danny Cipriani as the finisher. I just think there's that bit of magic that he can add for George Ford. On, on a front football, George Ford, great, but so is Danny Cipriani. I would still have Danny Cipriani ahead of George Ford, but I'm not annoyed George Ford is there. I don't think, I don't think George Ford is... Is not Could a you good say finish, George though. Ford one more time? George Ford. Thank you. Um, I'm actually getting paid by this one. It sounds that way. It sounds that way. <laughs> you, know, you get get you get money every time you mention his full name. Well, I, I didn't want you to uh, mistake him for Joe Ford. Oh, uh, okay. Well, good, good. I'm sure all the listeners are, 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 are you know very grateful to you for for clarifying. They don't know who I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, that tackle, firstly, was massive. It was big. It was massive. Um, when, when a forward, and this is, let's be honest, this is what happened, all right? Um, the, the, the South African picks the ball up. He's making his little break. He looks up. He sees a fly half in front of him and he thinks, I'm literally about to walk all over you. He changes direction because initially he's going for the corner. He lines up Owen Farrell. He, he, every part of him thinks he's going to, steamroll him and the next thing he knows is he's flat on his ass uh, and he's behind the gain line well not the gain line so but you know, where he was when he when, when he made contact not what he expected England win the game <clears throat> now I think pe- people initially were saying red card get him off you know that you know shoulder uh, head to, to head and all that kind of shoulder to head and all that the replays have made it quite clear that his that Owen Farrell's shoulder goes into his chest, not his head. So in that respect, there's nothing wrong with it. The question then becomes: Did he wrap? Uh, did he wrap his arms or not? Or was there an attempt to wrap his arms or not? And I think that's so, that's the the bit that people are debating, isn't it? Yeah. So before we carry on and go go into depth on this, watching that, so it, it's definitely not a red card. That, that's off the table. It's not even a yellow card. For you, is it a penalty? No. Okay. And and the reason the reason I say no, and I I know that people will say, you know that. Oh well, I don't know what people will say. I I think that Owen Farrell 
lines lines him up. He, he sees him coming across. He lines him up. He goes to make the tackle correctly, but he wants it to be a big hit. He, he wants to disrupt the ball, as we saw him do five minutes earlier when he stripped the ball. Um, and I keep saying the South African. I it should really be saying his name, which I, I, is on the tip of my tongue, which is why I keep saying, calling him the South African. Who was it? It was... Um, uh, I, I'm actually annoyed you, you now did that because I I had his name earlier and I've completely forgotten now. Well, that's not good enough. We are. It's not are, good enough. We, it's not anywhere near good enough. We we, we might be the uh, the England rugby pod, um, but we should probably know. I don't, I'm not even I'm not even prepared to continue until I've checked it because it's going to annoy too many people. Um, oh God! Talk to everyone. Talk to you. So, whilst um, we, we've got we've got some shockers going on. So after the match, um, and Andy's looking up the name now. I don't I don't really know what we're getting. So actually, I'll give my view on it. So my view on it is it's a hundred percent not a red card. It's not even a yellow card. Watching it back, as the laws of the game stand, I think it's a penalty. I I don't want it to be a penalty because of what happened, but I think by the laws of the game. That is a penalty. Okay. And it, it's, it's it's Andre Oosterhuizen or Oosterhuizen. That's the one. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to us about why it's a penalty by the laws of the game. Because he okay, so he hasn't wrapped. And that's not yes, the law, though. That isn't the law. There, you have to attempt to wrap. Isn't that the point? There, there has but, to be an attempt to wrap your arms. So it's it, it's not the left hand so much. The right, he's he's. Hit, duck the shoulder, the right arm. I think it comes up too late to wrap for me. I, I think it is a penalty. Um, I'm not saying he didn't attempt. I think he should. Well, hold on, but, but but okay, so he should make more of an attempt. So, what? Where do you draw the line in terms of the laws? And bearing in mind that the sighting commission commissioners looked at this and they all said it was fine. Where where do you draw the but line? The sighting commission have said it's fine from a card perspective, which I completely agree with. Yeah. I don't think it's in any way a card. Um, but but, but isn't do... that doesn't isn't doesn't that, isn't that contrary to the laws? Like, isn't the law basically if you don't wrap, then it's a it's a card. So e- either uh, and, either and, you and not, not... so know... it's it's not that so to say lead with the shoulder is ridiculous because you lead with the shoulder in every tackle yep. you go into. But I think it is far too shoulder heavy. I think the wrap is an afterthought. This is just this is just sort of the way I'm viewing it. I. That's fine. We, what, we, what we're trying to do is we're trying to drill down on it so that we can all understand why, in your opinion, it's a penalty. And based on looking at the, the rules of the game, the laws as they stand at the moment. And the trouble is, is that the laws say that you, know, you need to attempt to wrap the arms. So you can't start talking about you know, not enough of an attempt or it needed more of an attempt. Either he attempted or he didn't. Either he went in with the shoulder and had, with no intention of wrapping the arms, or he went in with intention of wrapping his arms. But because Ustazen changes his direction, because he decides to take Farrell on rather than you know, you know change his his angle of attack, as Farrell's arm, and this is my my view on it, as Farrell's shoulder goes into him and the arms coming up for the intended wrap, the the contact that comes in earlier than expected actually prevents the arm from coming any further forwards. And as you see, as Farrell's bouncing off him, his arm's coming around. So, Well, mate, you, you can win any argument by using facts and evidence, can't you? Well, <laughs> that's true. It's probably not really fair. I mean, that, that's my view on it um, and why I think it's 
it was the right call. But I kind of think that none of this is none of this matters because obviously you know the South Africans have gone nuts about this. Uh, lots of people on Twitter and Facebook, uh, you know, moaning about it and saying that South Africa should have been awarded a penalty, which they would have probably kicked, which would have meant they won the game. Therefore, a poor refereeing decision has cost them the match. Um, you know, Razi Erasmus afterwards, although he didn't obviously come out and say those words, he basically implied it with a sarcastic comment about how clearly South Africa just need to go and learn to make tackles like that if they're if they're now considered legal. Um, and ironically, South Africa were getting away with it anyway because 20 minutes earlier, I think at 68 minutes, and you can go over to our Twitter account or our Facebook page at England Rugby Pod. I highly recommend you do if you haven't seen this yet. Um, there's a video on there which I've uh, which I took during the game um, showing at 68 minutes Cruz makes a break. He gets hammered by two South Africans at the same time, both of them shoulder to his head. The referee's overheard saying it's fine, uh, it was just a good collision. And actually, Cruz is then penalised for not releasing. South Africa get a penalty pretty much in front of the post and they get three points from it um it was a far worse offense than the Farrell one it was forwards on forwards rather than a supposedly small back taking on a forward um you know and, and it could it could so easily actually because it was shoulder to head have been two and both the South African shoulders hit his head it could have been two two red cards by the letter of the law um you know which which would have been very you know even with just one of them going uh to the to the bin even um, with 20 minutes left in the game, 15 minutes left in the game. You know, the way that England were coming back at that point could have changed everything. So I think for any of and- anyone out there who's sort of bitching and moaning about that Farrell tackle and saying that it cost South Africa the game, you need to go and have a look at this video. Uh, we've had about 10,000 views of this video, so it's clearly been a popular one. Um, so check it out for yourselves at England Rugby Pod and, uh, and share it with everybody. Yeah, yeah, please do share, guys, because I want to make clear, like, this isn't something that the analysis picked up. This was after the game. I I did a lot of research, and I wanted to uh, sort, of, sort of check and see where, if there were any other incidents, and we came, sort of, I came across that, and uh, that was, you know, purely my own research into it. It's good. Where did you, where did you post it? Um, I posted it on uh, Twitter box <laughs> and, uh, and, and face face. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, so okay fine fine it was you that did all the legwork for it you that found it but actually mate i will say that because i i'm going to give you a huge credit here because you sent me that clip straight after and i assumed you'd got that from analysis but actually that was you that had picked up on that it was all so, me everyone praised me it was it was andy who did i mean i'm obviously going around telling everyone it was me because why wouldn't i but Andy did actually find that, did it, and post it on Twitter. And actually, it's been made reference to by a few other people now who would sort of post it to on Twitter. So, yeah. mate, great research. Andy Good on the uh, on the rugby pod. Yeah, he makes reference to he, it. He's um, talking about it. He didn't reply to me after I sent it to him, but he clearly saw it. Um, but yeah, a few, quite a few people talking about that now. Um, Stuart Barnes, interestingly, uh, he he was he was having he gets into these Twitter rants with people all the time, and he was having a rant. Someone was you know he was obviously complaining about the Owen Farrell tackle, saying it was a definite penalty, should have been a card. Uh, this person had said, you know, here's an example of you saying back in two thousand and five, I think um, that, that a particularly bad hit was actually a really good bit of 
contact, to which he rightly responded saying, you know, that was 12 years ago or 13 years ago or whatever, and things have changed. Um, so I sent him that clip because you can also hear him in the background saying what a great hit it was. Um, he didn't respond to me. I'd like to hear from him. I'd like to hear why on that occasion he thought it was a great hit, <clears throat> despite two South Africans literally plowing through the head of uh, Cruz. Um, let's just point out as well, Cruz just got up and carried on because he's part of the awesome foursome and he's hard as nails. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was an aggressive hit. I also want to just be very clear. This is not... This is not me complaining and saying, oh, the referee did a bad job and he should have called this. Whether he should have done or not is irrelevant. I think this is this is simply in a, in response to anyone who's banging on about the Owen Farrell tackle. You know, sometimes in games, referees miss things. It's frustrating. And as fans, it's our prerogative to bitch and moan about them. But I think when you have a situation where something like that happens after you've just got away with you know, something even worse 20 minutes earlier, you kind of have to just say, ah, damn it, you know, tit for tat. And actually, South Africa came out far better because they got three points from their offence, whereas we just prevented them from getting three points with us. Um, yeah, it, it, exactly. And and I, I think I think that's exactly it, mate. We're, we're not saying, you know, we're, we're not saying anything. We're just saying exactly that. Look, it, it evens out. I actually rate Angus Gardner as a referee. And there's also something else that I think we need to take into consideration here. A Southern Hemisphere referee, are, in my opinion, are less likely to pull up on these hits. Whereas I think if that had been in Europe or the Premiership, it would have been pulled up straight away. I think the Southern Hemisphere have more leeway for those sort of hits, understanding that some are just rugby collisions. And I personally agree with that. Mm. Um, I agree that there are some times where you can just say, do you know what, Let it, it, there's not an intent to hurt. It's it's a rugby collision. Somebody's running at you at that pace. Yes, you dropped your shoulder, and and sometimes the timings just aren't there. But it's not, you know, you know, there's no intent to, to foul play. And as long as it is, um, you know, as, as long as it's a hit, not on the head, which you know, regardless of whether the South African one was or wasn't, Farrell's was or wasn't, or whatever, it, it's not. Intent to play, and for me, I, I think play on. Yeah, um, well, that's what happened. Um, yeah. Also, important to point out that uh, you know, using the inner eye, I've actually seen what would have happened if the penalty had been given. Um, and Pollard was actually going to glance it off the post again, and England were going to decide not to kick the ball out. And actually, Johnny May was going to run the length of the pitch and score under the post. So, in some ways, um, it saved South Africa from going another seven points down. Oh wow! That's yeah, that's some great yeah. research. What, what's this new inner eye thing? I, I my my inner eye, yeah. I, I have an oh, inner your your inner eye. Oh, inner awesome. Eye. Lets me see things ahead of time, and yeah, it's 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 cool. It's useful. Um, but yeah, hey, so so take, really, you take that straight to the casino. <laughs> I might. Um, but yeah, so really, South Africa, uh, very fortunate, very fortunate, yeah, to to have uh, not had that awarded as a penalty. Um, but. Regardless of that, like, like we've covered it, guys, definitely have a look. Um, At definitely have England a look. Rugby Pod, and please share. We want to we want to try and get this out to everybody, um, just to just to quieten down the uh, the bitches and the moaners. Um, anyway, so yeah, let's move on from that one, um, and let's look towards New Zealand uh, because, despite everything else, and despite how happy we are that England got a got a win, it wasn't a full performance. And it is going to need to be against New Zealand next weekend. 
or this weekend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it certainly needs to improve, but I think that's fine. I think that's our first match together since the summer. I think we will improve. Um, I I don't think... I've heard a lot of people saying that New Zealand would have been 20, 30 points up at half-time if it had been the other way around. I think New Zealand would have taken their chances more than South Africa, but I don't think that's the case. I think England have been... I don't think enough credit's been given to the England defence, is what I'm saying. But yes, we do need an improved performance. Um, and I think they're beatable. I, I've, I'm not in any ways undermining the All Blacks because I think they're awesome and they're the best team in the world and I love watching them play. But I, think I do it, think... But bottom line is, and it's like at, at the same that what Ugo said in uh, in the Five Live podcast is, is you know, it's a two-horse race and at the end of the day, you're playing you're playing two of the top you know, even top five teams in the world, anyone can win. So, yeah, England can win the game um, if they put in the performance. They've got the players. There's no question about that. They've got the players on paper, even if though it's not a first, you know their their full strength side. Um, I think it was Clive Woodward who said that you know England are only really missing three people, in his opinion, and one of those is part of the back three, in in Anthony Watson. So it's only the Vunapola brothers who are. You know, out and out missing. In you know, you, you, there are obviously other players not available um, that potentially could be picked. But I wouldn't say that there's anyone else who's you know hands down inked into that team and because of their injury or suspension or whatever, you know, are unavailable to England apart from the Vanapola brothers. I, that, that, I mean, they're a huge loss. Launchbury's obviously, obviously a big but- loss, but. But, you know, yeah, I think Launchbury is another but one. With, but with Cruz, Laws, Anatoje all available and, and in form, I, I feel like he's, he's an example of one who might well be there. But the other three, I think, as you want from a World Cup squad, you know, are, between them are more than capable of filling, you know, covering what, what you're missing by not having a Joe Launchbury. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, I, I, whereas I you do. can't replace Billy Vanapola and frankly, you can't replace Mako. And, and I think the front row is probably one of the areas where England... Um, suffered the most at the weekend. I think the the, the having Mako missing um, was a was a big loss. Um, I, I, that's I not and that's was. not taking anything away from the others, but in terms of experience and everything else, I think I think up front you need experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would. I this weekend I'd start with Ben Moon. I actually thought he did really well when he came on. Yeah, I mean, well, England don't have a choice. You know that they are they they have to front up a, a you know a, an inexperienced team, and so that 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 is what it is. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think he had a good game, and I hope to see him get a start. Um, it'd be the right it would be the right way round. You know, the same the thing that Exeter see week in week out. I don't know why Eddie Jones, other than tactical, you know, for tactical reasons, I don't know why Eddie Jones would would almost look at it and be like, no, nah, you've got it wrong. I'm putting it the other way around. It doesn't make sense. Um, okay. I mean, I'll stop second-guessing Eddie, but Eddie is... Eddie's taken a lot of slack recently, but that team, I think I mentioned on Saturday, they seem in good spirits. I mean, you don't defend like that. You don't fight for each other like that if you're not buying into the team and the team spirit and morale. So Eddie's clearly doing something, right? I mean, look, we we have said it pretty much all along. We've maybe wavered a touch in the last few months but um, predominantly we've stuck to our guns about backing him backing his decisions even when we don't fully understand them whilst people around us have been calling for his head 
Um, and I'm sure, sure half those people who are calling for his head are now saying, no, 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 keep him. Like, you know, let's see what he can do. Um, and of course, again, you know, all the talk about whether him losing his job, you just, you're not going to do it this close to a World Cup. We've said it before, we'll say it again. It's, it would be way too disruptive. Um, the question is, is simply going to be, is he going to stick around after the World Cup? Well, let's wait and see. He may not want to after all this. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not even thinking that far ahead, to be honest. I, I can't see a scenario where there's value in getting rid of Eddie now, and I wouldn't want to, if I'm honest. Um, I, I actually think Eddie's probably got more of a plan than than we give him credit for. I, I remember seeing an interview with him. I, I can't remember if it was TV, podcast, or even just Reddit, but where he said, and he said a while ago, the first two years in a job like this are normally easy. It's the third year that's always the most difficult, which it's turned out to be. Um, whether he said that with hindsight, I can't remember, I must admit. But England have just beaten a really good South Africa team. A really, like that pack was absolutely huge. It was basically like the fat, big fat kid at school, at primary school, bullying the little kid. And for the first half, he let, let get bullied. Then the little kid suddenly realised, ah, oh, I'm actually a ninja, and came back and started fighting back and, and actually started winning some of those collisions in the second half. I I was really, I was really sort of yeah. happy and proud of the uh, England boys in that second half. Like some of the hits, I not thought just the Farrell one, but some set, of them set were piece, awesome. Set piece, I think, I was most impressed with. You know, the, the, the expectation was that England were going to get bullied by, South Af- by the South African pack, you know, in, in the scrum. And I think there was one each. Uh, you know, some people saying that England got, were lucky with the penalty that they got because they wheeled the scrum. Um, but they dominated that that scrum that they won, just like South Africa did the one that they forced England off. And the rest of the time, it was it was pretty much the scrum just wasn't moving. So the guys really fronted up to, you know, what was a much bigger pack. Um, and I think once the ball's in the loose... Size is less of a, you know, less of a thing because it's not like we're saying that the England boys are small. <laughs> They're just slightly smaller. And to be honest, you know, they don't grow people like trees in England like they do in South Africa. Yeah, in, in South Africa, they do seem to uh, feed them well somehow. Who, who, what? Well, my, co- my cousin, <laughs> he's my blood. And yet, you know, he's, he's about nine feet tall and about eight feet wide. He's a big lad, but he's gone down the cricket route, hasn't he? Yeah. Person. Yeah, exactly. It's a hell of a cricketer, but you know, still soft, so- <laughs> yeah, soft, soft, soft trees, balsa wood. Uh, yeah, you're ashamed, but um, right. So, so let's look at it. So, pack. If we're looking at what, what what's your starting pack? Um, so I'm bringing in Courtney Laws. Um, am I? For who? Am I, or am I putting him on the? I'm probably putting him on the bench, actually. Yeah, I am. I think he's, he'd make a good impact. So I'm putting Courtney Laws on the bench for Yules. Not that Yules played badly, but I think Laws is better. Um, so that's one change. Uh, I'm probably not changing... Oh, actually, no. So I'm bringing Moon on. Um, I'm just switching those two round, basically. So there's yeah, no, no change same. to the squad there. Um, and then, obviously... So Tom Curry, for those that aren't aware, is out. He's injured. Um, so change is needed there. He's out for the whole series. Yeah. Uh, well, he's certainly out for New Zealand. I don't know if it's been official, officially said he's out for the series, but yeah, quite yeah, possibly. Yeah, there was, there was something today, yeah. So I think Sam Underhill comes in for him. 
yeah. he's he's in the wider squad, so that would be my call, I think. Um, and then I would start Zach Mercer. I don't know if this will yeah. happen, but I think I'd start Zach Mercer. Um, I would have, and then I'd then have um, who's left? Who am I not thinking of? Morgan? So- no, Morgan. Um, Wilson. I've got Wilson. Yeah, Wilson, Wilson at, six. at six, and Brad Shields on the bench. I so but, I go on. Sorry, carry on. No, yeah, I don't think Brad Shields had the best game. I don't think he had a particularly I, bad game, and and I and I don't know. So, I think it would be interesting. I think sometimes it's a good thing to put people, you know, into the team that know the players that they're playing against. So this is something I wanted to talk about. You know, Brad Shields obviously. You know, he's coming from New Zealand. He's grown up in New Zealand. He's played his rugby in New Zealand. You know, he captained um, the Hurricanes. He knows these 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 Kiwis well. Does that give us an advantage or a disadvantage? In I, reality, I think that's an advantage. If if you play against people you know, uh, and we and we've both done it. If you play against people you know, you want to hurt them. <laughs> you want to like, no, 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 not not like not in a psychopathic way, but if, if you're playing against like mates or no, you, you should take it very personally that people want to hurt you when they play you. Uh, yeah, yeah well, I, I think I've got one of those faces that people want to hurt anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, that's right. Um, it, it's uh, it's just because it's so good looking, but mm. it's. <laughs> well, that, that's what my mum tells me. So, you know, let's not start calling her a liar. Um, but I think Brad Shields would front up 100%. I thought, to say weak links, unfair, I thought he had the weakest performance out of our pack. But I'm not saying he was bad. But to me, I'm starting. So I'm going Moon, Hartley, Sinclair, uh Tojo Cruz, and then back where I'm going, Underhill at seven, Mercer at eight, and Wilson at six. Um, on the bench, it, that's an interesting one. I think I probably would have Brad Shields. Um, I mean, Ben Morgan's not in the in, in the squad anyway, so that's not that's not relevant. No, so I think it has to be. And you've got the thing is, you've got back row cover already in Laws and Tojo. Yeah. Um, so depending on how you wanted to to shift things around, so maybe maybe that's where where there's a there's an opening to say actually let's have Tuilagi and Ashton on the bench, and and stick with the backs starting as they did. Would you so so you'd have you'd prefer Tio to start than Manu? I don't know. I I do feel like Manu is is a threat. Uh, on paper, um, we we hope in reality, but certainly he's a threat on paper. And having him on the bench and having the opposition knowing that he's going to be coming on at some point, if England are you know are right in there and you know that he's coming on, that kind of moment when he comes on, almost I think that almost adds to England's ability to to, to change things up a little bit and the pressure that puts on New Zealand to have to think, oh, we've now got to put extra cover on. We've got to make sure he's covered maybe that opens up gaps. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see which way he goes. Uh, it will be his first game back, but then I get. I appreciate that Tio's first game back for a long time. You know, he only played 30 minutes of rugby this season or something so far. So it it's a difficult one. I, di- I don't think Tio had the best game. 
Um, no, I don't. In defence, I think he was good. I, I think, I think I probably would start with Tio again. I, so I think I don't think Tio was bad. I think there might have been a bit of rustiness. I think that's knocked out. I think I would start with Farrell, Tio, and Slade again in the midfield. Um, so you'd have no change in the backs, other than I, ten- well, what I would it? not. I'd, I'd, I'd change the bench. On the bench, I'd have Ford, Manu, and Ashton. Right. Um, but would I? No, no, I wouldn't have that at all, would I? That's a, yeah, that's a good one because you've got to have. <laughs> you got Danny Care. So you I'd that's have care. So that's why I'm saying: Do you do you have? You know, because you've got back row cover already in the form of Toje on the pitch and Laws on the bench, you can cover a second row or back row. Do you say actually we need we don't need another forward on the bench, so you have the extra back? Because otherwise, someone needs to be is going to be disappointed. We'll keep thinking about it, guys, because we've got uh, we're going to be doing our pre-game. Uh, we'll obviously we'll know yeah. the squad by then, but we, you know, let's get your views on what what do you think? What do you think the England team should look like on Saturday? Uh, and in particular, what do you think the the back row and the back line should look like um, because it's it's going to be a tough decision and it does look like someone um, is going to be a little bit disappointed. So yeah, get in touch with us at England Rugby Pod as I said before um, or England Rugby Pod at gmail.com if you want to drop us an email. Um, you mentioned just in there, Dan, uh, Henry Slade at 13. Uh, we've debated uh, him at length. Um, I've not been overly keen on him getting more and more chances. I don't feel like he's I don't think like he's always taking his chances and, and there are possibly other people um who would who, who deserve them more, but you know, also uh, injuries and, and bans and things maybe are playing a part in that. Um, we have had a tweet from Aaron Hayashi. He says, Hi guys, love the pod and what you do. This might be up for debate, but I'm convinced by Hen- I'm not convinced by Henry Slade at thirteen. Uh, he's had various chances at international level and I haven't quite seen that something special from him that we see week in, week out at Exeter. What are your thoughts? I like Alex Lazowski. I know he is suspended, but time and time again is amazing for Saris. Would like to see him stake his claim, great in attack and defence and covers a lot of positions. I suppose he'll get a run out against Japan, but that won't prove too much. In my opinion, he needs, test. He needs to be tested against better opposition. Hopefully Australia in the last game. Keep up the good work. So you're much more of a, an advocate of Henry Slade. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, firstly, thanks very much for the message. Secondly, uh, Lazowski, Lazowski, I always forget which one. Um, firstly, he won't be against Japan because actually he's, he'll still be banned. Um, I I like Slade. I keep Slade. I think Slade started to look good. And I actually have, if everyone's fit, I think I still have Slade playing as my 13. But what what I don't know yet, the only thing is Manu at 12, because he typically plays 13. But one of the reasons I would have Manu and Ashton involved is because they've both beaten the All Blacks. And I know that may seem a small thing, but I think it's quite a big thing to have two players there. Who've done it before. yeah, and help take apart the All Blacks in that game, like really take them apart. I think there's something really beneficial about having both of them involved. Um, but for, for me, Slade and Lozowski as well, I think is a great player. And 
him and Slade, I'd like to see fight it out because I think they're both absolutely brilliant players. But for me, Slade, he started to look, he's starting to look just that little bit good. And I, I think he's going to be something a bit special. I, I think if we stick with him, he's going to add massive value. I know you and I slightly come from well, different no, angles. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think maybe Lazowski's the, the guy to play that position. But I do like the two playmakers either side of a bit more of a crash ball man. However, as you say, Manu is a 13. This is maybe another reason why Manu is better suited to coming in, coming on from the bench. Because at the point at which Farrell moves from 10 to 12, Ford goes to 10, 10, 12 becomes your kind of playmaker channel with Manu at 13 outside. But before that, you've got Tio at 12 with the two playmakers either side of him. And it's up to Farrell to make a call. You know, do I pop the ball off for a crash? Do I, you know, miss one out, put it wider and, and bring in the rest of the backs and the, and the pacemen? Um, I think that gives England a bit more, uh, a bit more of an attacking option. So I think it works like that. I'm just, yeah, I think Henry Slade is probably the right call based on who's available right now, but I still want to see a lot more from him. Um, I think he's been fortunate to get another chance. And I think it's probably come down to the fact that Lazarski's not available. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I mean, I'm still a big Slade fan. So we're coming from different things. It's a bit like a sort of Elliot Daly at fullback. I, we know what Elliot Daly can do. And the slight difference is we've seen Elliot Daly do it at international level more than we have Slade. But I think if we stick with uh, Daly at fullback and Slade at 13, but we I could think, have I two think, very special I, players. Maybe. I think my issue is we haven't seen Slade do it at all at international level, despite numerous um, opportunities. You can't, I mean, you, you can't say... He's had you, some games where no, he's you can't, you can't say, oh, he made a try-saving tackle in, in that game and therefore he's, he's back. Uh, you need, I need to see more from him. I need to see him doing the sorts of things that Owen Farrell's doing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a different. He's a very different player to Farrell. I, I, I had Slade starting on Saturday. I think he will. I mean, Eddie Jones clearly is a fan, so I think he will. Um, I don't think Eddie Jones will make a huge number of changes that he doesn't need to make. I think it's just going to be a question of how the reshuffle looks um, with the Curry injury, um, and 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 how he potentially incorporates Manu, given that I think Chris Ashton needs to be involved as well. Um, so, guys, yeah, thought, get, get, let's get your thoughts on that. Um, just before we call time on this one, uh, Dan, because I think we've, we've probably got there's going to be quite a bit to talk about in our in our pre-game build-up um, regarding New Zealand. So, I want to kind of move on from New Zealand because we're going to come back to it uh, on Saturday morning. Sure. Obviously, the next game up after New Zealand is Japan. Um, without wanting to kind of disrespect them in any way, you know, they're obviously the the weak the weak side in our autumn series that England are expected to beat without question. Do England, what kind of a team do England put against them? You know, you, obviously there's no point in putting a side against them that doesn't, you know, that's not a hundred percent made up of players that have the potential to play in the world cup. Cause of course we're not trying to l- learn about new players. We don't want apprentice players and ridiculous things like that, which I don't think we'll get, but do we go in there and say, do you know what? Actually, there's value because of because of where England have come from over the last kind of ten months. There's value in putting a full strength side out and letting them go out there and get a potentially a really big win under their belts and what that does for them and their confidence and everything else. 
with Australia a week later? Or do you say, no, this is the opportunity that we need to put out our kind of our second string World Cup team? Um, I, I, I think you change it. I think you make quite a few changes. As much anything, the guys will have had two absolute bruising weekends, you know, against a huge Saffa team and against an absolute top class and very physical All Blacks team as well. I, I think you need to give the guys a rest. But also, like you need to try out these players to see if they're World Cup ready. I, I don't think there's any way at all it's disrespectful to Japan. Um is this the You're time still putting out a top quality team? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think I disagree with you. I, I think the 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 terminology you know, trying out players is probably wrong. I think it's it's almost too late for that. I mean, maybe England their hands been forced a little bit, but I don't think we're trying players out. But I but um, I do think that if you're looking at a squad of say 33, 34, um, that you're going to potentially take to a World Cup. Yeah, you need to know that they're all capable. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't... Yeah, so try, try now maybe unfair. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying, I, I, yeah, I don't think you take... See, I, I think it's important that those players that you're trying out, you know, it's they're, they're not playing in a team that's entirely players being tried out. That That's the thing. So I think maybe a couple of key positions. I just, I'm not sure that I would want to just put out a, effectively a second team. Oh no! I think you need. I think you. I think you keep Owen Farrell in there because I think what he adds to the players around him is important, and the guys you're bringing in, um, it gives them an opportunity to play with some of the best. You know, an Atoje, for example. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult one um, to know. No, so I think you, for example, you start with a Chris Ashton. You give Chris Ashton a, a start. I, I think you give. Um, you know, I mean, Zach Mercer may well start this weekend, but if not, you give Charlie Yules a start. I, I think you definitely give these guys a start. Yeah. So they can prepare because in the World Cup, whatever you say, you're not playing the same team week in, week out because, um, you, you know, you need to rest. You need to rest players. You need to give them time to recover. Um, possibly you start with an Owen Farrell. I actually may not start with an Owen Farrell. I, I would probably start with a George Ford, and, I, and then that's when I might use the opportunity to see a Tulagi at twelve, and a, and a Slade at thirteen, or whoever it may be. That's mm. where I, I think I'd, I'd change because I, I don't think there's, you, you know, it's in no way putting out a weak team because you're still putting out, you, you know, top quality players, but. With all due respect to Japan, they aren't as strong as the other three. No, teams. It's, it's, I guess it's less. From my opinion, it's, it's less actually about disrespecting Japan and more about saying, "How do you get the most out of the player?" You know, you take a, like the, the game last weekend and and the new guys. I think a lot of the reason why you get those performances from them is because they're playing with the best players. I think if you take a bunch of new guys and they're all new and you shove them in and you say, "Right now, you go and try and represent your country," because all the good players that probably are going to take your position they're not involved in this game it's maybe harder to bring out the best in them you know there's something to be said yeah. for saying you know two-thirds of this side is a first team but actually the other third are the guys that are on the fringe and let's see how well they can perform when they're playing with this first team because that's kind of more the more likely scenario you know something happens there's an injury someone needs to be rested you're bringing someone in to play with a predominantly first team 
Um, so I think it's important so, that you don't just kind of just go right. Let's let's just write a new team sheet with all the guys that haven't had a chance yet. Because I don't think this is about just letting them have a run out. This is about seeing what combinations work that are perhaps not your your kind of first choice go to combinations within what's predominantly a you know a, the the team you expect to put out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. And and I kind of I, I think you take the thing based upon sort of you know where the players are at the end of this game. But if you've got knocks with people like like a Tuilagi last week, if you've got somebody who probably could play but ideally would be rested, I think you rest them. Yeah. Um, and I think you made the decision based on that rather than based upon. I, I think that leads your decision making process against Japan. Um, but let, let's see what happens this week. So. Like you're saying, just before we go, one thing I wanted to mention, which we hadn't uh, brought up so far, is what what are your thoughts on Will Carlin's role within within the camp? Um, I think I think it's very difficult for us as fans to comment on this one because he's not there in a, in a kind of a, a an outward facing role. You know, it's very much about working with the players, and I think only the players can really answer that question. Um, you know, he's there to sort of provide support to the leadership team. Um, he, as as a profession these days, you know, he's a, um, you know, he he works for big companies with their management teams. Um, Around leadership, yeah. yeah, yeah, bringing out leadership qualities and, and talking to them about, about, I guess, how to speak to the media and I don't know, you know, how to how to gear up the team, and the people around them. Is there is there any harm in it? I don't think so. Well, I, I think that's exactly it. And the reason I ask this is because a few people have brought this up with me uh, saying, you know, what's the point in this? The way I see it is I don't see any negative side to it. I don't think it will harm. Yeah. There will be any damage done from it. Will it add a huge amount of value? I don't know. But even if it adds a minimal value, I think it's worth it. Well, this is the point. I, and, and this is why, why I, you know, I go back to what I said before, which is that only really the players... In, who are working with him can answer that question of whether he's adding anything because it's a hundred percent not a it's not like a coaching role where we get to see the direct results of what he's doing. It's quite a personal thing within the within the camp. Um, so I think anyone who's saying oh it's ridiculous or what, what's the point you know it's a waste of time. Well, unless you you know those people are involved in that camp somehow and they know what's going on and they've seen it not working, I don't really know how they can comment because. So far, you know, England have one win from one since he was taken on. So, you know, whether he was any had any part of that, who knows? But you know, there, there's certainly no nothing that we can attach. There's no negative, ne- negative, nothing negative is can be attached to him, as far as I'm aware. Um, so I would look at it and just say, you know, the more England legends that you can involve with these guys, what you know, why not? You know, Johnny's involved. Um, unfortunately, it's the role. It's a role which I think would have been quite a good one for Jono back in the day, instead of giving him the reins. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I don't I'd obviously mean captain. Jono. I mean, I don't think he'd do it now, having been the England coach. Unfortunately, I think that that just sort of precludes him from being involved in, with the England team in in some ways because it's almost like a step backwards, uh, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, I think I think being involved with the team from a leadership standpoint because let's be honest you know you look at leaders in rugby history and Jono's one that 
stands out. Um, so I'm sure he would have an awful lot that he'd be able to add. Um, but yeah, I can't see any harm in it. Is is the the bottom line in my opinion? I, I'm inclined to agree with you, sir. Well, look, we've we've kept these guys now for nearly an hour, um, probably over an hour by the time we've done a bit of editing and put in some music and things. Um, so we will leave it there. Are we adding music? Yeah, yeah. That we have a little intro and an outro, don't we? Oh, so on that note we will say guys thanks so much for listening once again uh, please don't forget to um, get in touch with us on social media and definitely go and check out that video of Cruz getting nailed by the South Africans so that you can send it to all of your South African mates who are whinging about the Farrell tackle and anyone else who'd be interested in seeing it. So that's at England Rugby Pod. You can check us out on Twitter or you can check us out on Facebook. Um, email us, uh, englandrugbypod at gmail.com. Um, and maybe like Joe Reed, who regularly emails us, we'll be able to get you on. Joe, we haven't ignored your request to come on an episode. We will be in touch. Hopefully, post-Autumn uh, Internationals, we can get you on to discuss how the campaign went. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll deal with that one uh, a little later on. Um, but guys, yeah, get in touch. Let us know what you think. Ask us any questions that you've got. Um, and if you get the opportunity, we'd really appreciate the uh, the reviews, the ratings. Obviously, we want five stars. A few people complaining that we're only interested in five stars. Well, we're trying to get ourselves noticed. So we, you know, those of you that that rate this pod and like listening to it, um, you know, the five stars that you're able to give us just get us noticed and enable more and more people to start listening, um, which is. You know, ultimately the goal in time for next year's World Cup. So yeah, get over to iTunes, rate us, review us, let us know what you think. Share with friends and family and all that jazz. And we will catch you guys bright and early-ish, uh, be the afternoon actually, on Saturday for our second instalment of our semi-live episodes with our pre-, during- and post-match reviews. I can't wait for this Saturday to watch a... Uh... To watch us play against the best team in the world, I, I think it would be brilliant. I it's going, what, whatever play. happens, it's it's a huge, huge, huge game and no one should miss it. But if there's a chance that you might, and even if you don't, you need to get over to iTunes to listen to our episode and see what, uh, see what we thought. <laughs>